Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Sharon Valenti. Sharon spent years in ugly, violent, unhappy relationships, both intimate and friends. She came to eventually understand that she was the one carrying the baggage that kept attracting those relationships. Once she delved into and questioned her underlying beliefs about herself, she experienced a radical change. We all have a mission in life we're born to do. Sharon's purpose is to spread peace through the world. As a result of her own trials and tribulations in life, from alcoholic parents, sexual abuse, the death of her son, now Sharon is determined to live a life of peaceful thoughts and genuine happiness. Accomplishing that helps Sharon to become an expert in the field. Now Sharon shows others how simple it is to make changes in their own life. They turn their unhappy relationships into ones that feel like chocolate for the soul. <laughs> Welcome, Sharon. How are you today? I'm extremely well. Thank you for having me on the show. How are you? I'm great. And I'm so happy to have you. I know my audience is going to love what you have to share. So let's start with your story. So my audience understands where you started in life and that how that relates to where you are today. Okay, thank you. And thank you for that lovely introduction that sort of captured some of it. I know my generation, it's not uncommon to have grown up in a household that was all about spare the rod, spoil the child, and children should speak only when spoken to. Combine that with the alcoholic parents and all the physical abuse and so on and so forth. Unconsciously, when we're children, we start to take on these beliefs that begin patterns in our life. So, for example, my mother, I remember this vividly at age four, told me she was going to spank me. Actually, she might have said, I'm going to beat you after I finish gardening. Four-year-old me interpreted that I'm a bad girl and I'm unlovable. Mommy doesn't love me. And that stuck. And that continued through elementary school, high school, got reinforced. I get in trouble as a little kindergartner. Teacher would put me in the dunces corner. Oh, see, I'm a bad girl. I'm unlovable. And as a result, it just, it creates these patterns that you don't even realize are patterns. And along the way, we take on other, so you get not A's and B's, maybe you get C's and D's on your report card, it doesn't mean you're necessarily a bad student or bad person. However, how society looks at that, and certainly if you get an F, God forbid, you know, you're unintelligent all of a sudden. I'm, uh, And you believe that, oh, I'm not as smart as so-and-so. And then we begin comparing. So it's this vicious cycle that we are doing to ourselves. The funny thing about that is we blame everybody else for what's going on inside of us. And again, such a habit. 
we've heard that a lot through our life. You know, it's so-and-so's fault. And no, it's, you know, raining, it's your fault. And I literally got to a point where I believe things like that when it was told to me because it becomes your familiarity. It really does. All I knew was abuse. So going into a normal, healthy relationship as a young adult felt so strange to me. I terminated the relationship. I didn't know how to handle it. And I didn't realize that what that's what had happened until much later. So I went into something very familiar, which was a super violent relationship. And in the midst of that, I just said, you know what? There has to be something better. I always thought, oh, I don't deserve that. They deserve that. That's not for me. They deserve that. And I said, no, I do deserve better than this. I don't know how. I don't know where I'm going to find it but I have to leave this abusive relationship. And my children have been subjected to hearing all that violence and everything else. So my children and I, we left and started anew. And there's a a bit of a, a fear factor because the mind tends to, first of all, we've been trained very much so to be fearful. And nobody can tell me otherwise. We are not born with fear. We might be born with some survival instincts, but if you put a six-month-old baby or a two-year-old out in the middle of a highway or in front of a grizzly bear, they don't know to be afraid. They're like, ooh, gaga, you know, pretty animal out there, right? Right. It's We are taught fear. So fast forward again, many people will stay stuck in an unhappy relationship or circumstance because it is familiar to them. And rather than embracing and being curious about something, saying, oh, you know, I wonder what the from the universe has got for me next. You know, can't wait to see what good stuff I'm going to bring into my life. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, how am I going to manage? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to take care of two children? And, And we let ourselves be overwhelmed, and it becomes easier to stay in the familiar abusive relationship than to step out of it. And that's not just relationships. It could be you're re-entering the workforce and, oh my gosh, I haven't worked in 30 years. What am I going to do? My skills, da, 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 da. You know what? You got smart. And that counts for so much more than all the schooling we could ever have. There is no substitute for real life experience, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. You know, we don't, that's, that's a big thing going on in society. I'm hearing now is there was a gentleman I listened to two days ago His goal is to have the schools change the way they are educating today. I'm not knocking Christopher Columbus, but truthfully, I have never found knowing that information about him has helped me in my day-to-day life. So let's teach them how to bank, you know, balance bank accounts. Let's teach them how to take care of themselves. Yeah, that's another thing, again, generational and maybe still today. I was thoroughly taught, and many of us were, not to take care of ourselves. Company comes to the house, let them get seated first. Let them help themselves to the food first. Let them have the dessert first. And so that too has the power to create an underlying belief, I'm not important. I'm insignificant compared to others. I must always put myself on the back burner. And again, these are just programs that we hear so much, they get entrenched in our neural pathways. Once you begin to move out of that, once you make a decision, I I want my life to be so much better than this, and you're willing to get still 
and find those underlying beliefs in yourself. And there's a fairly easy technique to do that. And then question whether they're true. That's all I'm ever teaching people is let's find the truth. Are you unlovable? Are you unattractive? Are you unintelligent? All those once we unearth what it is that's been your driving force and you see it's never been true. First and foremost, it's usually a bit emotional and that's great. Let it come up, cry, you know, let it go. Because once that belief comes up, it's gone like that. It's amazing. Right. And the more you uncover them and question them, the freer you become. I ask all the time, would you prefer a billion dollars or peaceful thoughts? If you don't say peaceful thoughts, hello, because if you have peaceful thoughts, you're not even thinking about money or any, you are, you're not conjuring up the stories. And we hear today people term it woo-woo stuff, and actually it's more normal than the, than the other life we've been living, just to retrain our, our minds. If you start reading different kinds of books, listening to different kinds of podcasts, watching some interesting people on YouTube who are more forward-thinking, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza is a perfect example. He is, he is a scientist, and it's Everything he does research-wise is backed by the scientific results. And he is demonstrating how, through meditation, you can create these new neural pathways. And you do it so often that those old ones just dissolve. They dissipate. And now you've retrained yourself. Let's say you are a right-hand person all your life. And you start experimenting and keep doing with left, with left, with left, with left, everything, you will become a left-handed person. And your right might not remember how to do those basic things you used to be able to do. Mm. We are very adept at creating our reality. And to expand on that, the only place anything takes place is in our mind. We create the day, we create the story, we create the conversations. They feel very, very real in our mind, and they're not true. They're, they're just going in our, in our mind. It's so true, possible. because so many times we are projecting what the other person thinks about us or why this happened to us at work, and it's usually totally different from what we're conjuring up in our mind. Totally, totally different. Usually it's a friendly thing, and we're thinking, oh my God, am I going to get fired? Is this going to happen? The fear, the fear comes in and we conjure up. Yeah, you're right. And the stories that go through our head that don't help us. <laughs> and if we put a blood pressure cuff on, we probably find our blood pressure's off the wall. And right. we're going to say, oh, my boss, it's his fault. You know, to, right. he called me into the office. That's all your boss did, called you into the office. You did all the rest, yep. right? Yep. You know, there's, there's the uh, three kinds of business. There's your business and my business and the divine's business. And for everyone listening, the only time we can get in trouble is when we're in somebody else's business. And that can be just in our thoughts. You know, you've been out maybe in a restaurant or in the mall or walking down the street and someone's coming towards you. And we don't people watch, we people judge. And so you're looking at that person, what were they thinking? Put that on, that doesn't go with that. You know, whose business is it? How they're dressed and whose business is it? How we dress, but we do this all the time. You know, I was, I was talking the other day, I believe it's in Don Miguel Ruiz's book, Mastery of Love. He talks about boy meets girl and he falls madly in love. And he goes and tells all of his friends, 
she's the one, she's the one, and she's doing the same thing. He's the one, he's the one, and they get married. And what's the first thing they do to each other? They try and change each other. What happened to the perfect one? Right, you know? right, exactly. <laughs> this is where the problems come in. My, you, When I'm trying to force my mental reality on you and vice versa, what are we doing to each other? It's none of my business how you think, how you dress, what you do. What I need to practice for my own harmony is having interdependent relationships, unconditional relationships with everyone. You know, really, we probably have an unconditional relationship with our children, meaning we will love them no matter what. We might not like everything they do. And and there's a certain point where we stop being in their business to a degree, mm-hmm. except outside, you know, our heads. Right. Or our coworkers or our bosses, would you dare go into a boss and tell him how to run his life? No. You know, you just wouldn't. You'd like to, but you don't. Right. So you hold back. When you have that kind of peacefulness and you stay in your own business, you know, us here right now, we're in our own business, yep. right? We're getting to know each other. We're sharing. There's absolute peace. But the minute I start thinking about something else outside of my business, you know, as far as the divine, if there's a an earthquake or a tsunami, I have no control over that. So for me to get on my high horse and do the monetary campaigns on Facebook or wherever, the GoFundMe things, what I could potentially collect on there wouldn't even make a dent to those people. But in the meantime, I'm suffering because I'm my vivid imagination has created all sorts of horrible scenarios instead of Say, oh, you know, we could, it's just as easy to say, oh, they found more survivors. Isn't that wonderful? Focus on the good. The more good you focus on, and I'm not burying my head in the sand, it doesn't make me feel good to dwell on unpleasantness. So why would I do that? And we do. We do. Absolutely. And we're quick to point it outside of ourselves. You know, if you or someone, I'm hiding behind the door, and my husband comes home and I jump out and say, boo, he would turn around and say, you scared the daylights out of me. No, I just said, boo, you saw the boogeyman, the ghosts and everything else. You know, (laughs) I didn't do it. And it's the same when you're driving down the highway, somebody cuts you off instead of thinking, wow, I wonder what happened that made them in such a rush. I wonder if they got news, you know, that we're like, you know, you scare me. And our mind is also just seen the accident happen, seen the ambulance, seen the blood and gore, none of which has happened, right? right? right. That's that's the knee-jerk reaction, right? Right, Right. absolutely. It's funny because a couple of years ago when my daughter couldn't get me on the phone, she was frantic. Oh my God, mom's dead in a ditch because she couldn't get me on the phone. I work, I'm a realtor, I'm out. I'm not going to pick up when I'm with a client. But immediately she went to that picture that I'm dead in a ditch. Unbelievable. <laughs> Rather than, oh, mom's probably making a big sale and she got yeah, a nice exactly. That's where she should have gone. But yeah, no. <laughs> and we do that. And, you know, when there's underlying, I call them one liners that we heard as kids. So did you ever hear, well, I heard children should be seen and not heard Absolutely. and speak only when yep. What other one liners did you hear? Money doesn't grow on trees. You know, it does, though. Money's made of paper. We get our paper from trees, right? So that just bursts that bubble. Exactly. What else did you do? <laughs> I don't know. I'm <laughs> trying to think of other ones. 
I've kind of put them way behind me. I don't remember them as well anymore. But in my 20s, they were a big part of my life until I realized that these weren't doing me any good and I ditched them. So I guess that's why I'm not remembering. I know there were a lot of them, though. There were. Did, did you hear you made your bed and I go lie in Yes, it? that I did hear. Absolutely. When you think about that, I mean, just pause for a minute and think, okay, we're kids. We heard that. You made your bed and I go lie yep. in it. What could have been, what was reflected back to you about you each time you heard that? See if you can find that belief. There's no one there to help me is, is what it says. I'm not going right. to help you. You did that to yourself. You fix it. Right. No one will be there for you. Yep. You're on your own, yep. right? Mm -hmm. So many of us grew up trying to be totally independent rather than interdependent with someone or, or totally codependent. We went the other way. But those, that's a perfect classic example of hearing it and that underlying belief, children should be seen and not heard. We're not important. We, we need to be invisible. We are invisible to these adults. Lots of those men, they heard, boys don't cry, suck it up. Now, today, we have all these emotionally devoid men and women that are like, what's the matter with you? You know, wives, I should say, yeah, can't you show emotion? No, because they've been taught to shut down. Yes. How awful for them, you know, keeping all that bottled inside. I bet they'd love to have a good cry like we do, you know. Absolutely, kind of absolutely. <laughs> like just in those tiny examples, you can see how unconsciously those beliefs took root. Mm -hmm. So if you look at, at your life, and once you identify those and you look at your life, you can see how that showed up in your life at different times. That's a telltale to why we attract the same situations, the same kind of people, the same kind of work, etc. Until, like you obviously did, you identify them, you realize they've never been true mm -hmm. and they just fall away. So little by little, you start to change internally. The mind is changed because it becomes clearer and freer. The body responds to things like that too. A lot of physical, actually almost every physical ailment is the last manifestation of something we've been holding inside. Cancer often is related to holding anger inside for a long time. You know, we could have been really angry at our parents and angry at teachers and not really been realizing it. Right. But eventually it has to show up right. some, some way, somehow, right? Right. And it does. So, I've seen that. I've seen that. It does. Yep. I have too. Yep. And equally, we can cure ourselves with our thoughts as well by seeing our wellness by looking at that anger and and there's ways to to look at it where you just you let it go i mean i was so angry at my parents all the time i despised my mother growing up mm. later in life when i was questioning the beliefs and hurt that i thought she had inflicted on me only to see it was me who had done it to me your know, mom might have said it one time I said it a million times over the years in my mind, and I'm the one keeping it alive. But I was able to look back at certain situations, see what she was wearing, see what I was wearing, and I felt such compassion for my mother in that moment. She was lost in her own world, right. in her own pain and suffering, and I was a kid. I was absorbed in my pain and suffering, and I couldn't see how much she was hurting. I'm not condoning what she did. No. Mm -mm. But I ha I can understand, and I also clearly understand, everybody is truly doing the best they can. 
in any given moment. And my mind wanted to argue with that when I first heard it. I was like, well, what about the serial killer, child molester? But the truth is, they too, in that sick, demented moment of their mind, that was the best they could do. Now, maybe a split second later, they have regrets, or maybe they were two sociopaths or psychopaths. But, or, you know, someone like Marvin Gaye, his father, in an argument, shot and killed him. I'm, I'm sure a second later, he was like, oh, my God, what have I done? I killed my child. And now he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison, regretting it and had plenty of time to think on it. But that was the best he could do in that rage. So while we don't have to accept it, or excuse me, while we don't condone it, if we accept, and I'm big on acceptance versus forgiveness, and I'll explain why. For me personally, if I forgive someone like my father, then I'm, it's still in the back of my mind what my father, my father molested me. And if I say, okay, that was the best you could do, and I just accept, that's what and who you are, goodbye. And that's it. But the acceptance for me has a completely different feeling. I, there's nothing further. There's nothing in the back of my mind. It's just I accept you like you do friends. We accept our friends with all they're everything they're made up of. Now, we might not like everything they say or do, but there's an acceptance there. You're not constantly saying, I forgive my friend, I forgive my friend. You're like, right. you're either right. going to accept them or you decide you don't like it enough that you just disconnect from the friendship and you back to peaceful thoughts, right? right. And, and if we would do that more often, we would stop regurgitating the instances or incidents that we keep replaying in our mind. It's done. And how do I know it should have happened that way? Because it did. And if I keep saying, oh, my God, it shouldn't have happened. Oh, it, you know, no, my son should still be alive, da-da-da-da-da. Who's suffering? My son's already gone. I'm the one suffering, keeping it alive. And it doesn't serve a purpose. If the roles were reversed, and for those of you that, that miss hearing, my son passed away six years ago. And if, if the roles were reversed, I'd be saying, get on with your life. Have a blast. I don't want you to be sad and sorry. We'll see each other again someday. But we do become our illnesses sometimes or our suffering because it's the only time we ever got attention or the love that's coming our way or the sympathy that's coming our way. Mm. And is that how we want the rest of our life to be? Just no. no. I mean, I wouldn't imagine. And a lot of people aren't conscious of that. You know, they'll get, and I'm not minimizing aches, pains, illnesses. I truly am not because I have my own aches and pains, but I don't run around telling people because I don't want that kind of life for me. I don't want sympathy. Every once in a while, my knee hurts. Okay, big deal. Let's do some exercises and move on with it. Or I said, oh, my knee and my husband, oh, you poor thing. And my daughter, oh, mom, why don't you put your leg up? No, I don't want that kind of attention. <laughs> right, right. Well, it, puts, it puts a burden on them in a way. You know, we put these expectations on others to like us, to nurture us, to take care of us, to love us. My husband's love is not mine to take. It's his to give. And it's his choice whether he wants to support me, like me, etc. It is my job to love myself, to nurture myself, to be there for myself. The truth is, I am the only one that knows exactly what that feels like and looks like. And to put that expectation on my husband, number one, it's my expectation. Two, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. 
because in all likelihood, he won't be able to do it exactly the way. So now I'm going to criticize him. And then, you know, that cycle goes on. But when you are right with yourself, when you truly learn to love yourself, and Louise Hay gave a great example of that in the salad. She says, we go in the fridge and we go to make a salad and the tomatoes, the little, little, you know, softs, but that's okay. You know, we'll cut around it. And the cucumber got that slimy piece, cut that off. And, and the lettuce, pick the brown pieces off. And you would you serve that salad to company? No, right? You'd go buy all fresh produce and, and make yourself poor and, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, you wouldn't make yourself poor, but you would never do that. So why would you do more for somebody else than you would do for yourself? And if you start in habit of doing for yourself things that you readily do for others and overcome the guilt associated. So if I go get a manicure and pedicure, I feel so guilty or I did feel so guilty for spending the money. I would pay for my daughter to have one every week without any qualms. <laughs> and we do stuff right, like that, we right? Do. We, do. We, we don't take good enough care of ourselves. We don't. I agree. We have been trained, though, that goes yep. back to the company. Let them go first. First, 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 first. Yep. You last. Everyone first. And, yep. and, yeah. And feel guilty if you try and put yourself first. So recognizing that and every time it comes up, when you go treat yourself to something, a nice lunch or whatever. Oh, I'm sorry. The dog is in here. Brewer, come here. Brewer, come here. He wants to be part of this, too. Come there you go. Baby. He wants to say hi. He just... It's sad that our parents couldn't see beyond that. And I'll be honest, when my kids were little, I did some of the same things to them. I swore I would never be like my mother. And I remember times I said, let them go first, you know. I, I think we've door. all said we're never going to be like our parents. And then we are. Then we are. So we really do need to rethink. Some of the things we do are okay, but some of them are not. So we really do need to rethink. 100%. And the important thing is, you know, we'll beat ourselves up. Mm -hmm. Then we'll beat ourselves up for beating ourselves up. So <laughs> don't even beat yourself up to begin with. Just notice. Just notice, oh, you know, wow, that was something I don't want to repeat right. kind of thing. And just let it be a lesson. No, you know, a thought is just a thought. An idea is an idea. It's not a good idea or a bad idea. It's just an idea. It's just emotion. It's whatever. When we put those labels on it, those labels have the ability and the power to make us feel a particular way, right? right absolutely. Oh, that was a good idea. Oh, yeah, yep. bad idea. <laughs> oh, boo, you know, we do it to ourselves. How, I mean, you tell me, I know you've had some similar situations, right? Absolutely. I mean, we all, one thing that I remember as a child, I wasn't, I was maybe 12 or 13 and I got my brother, younger brother, a book for Christmas thinking that was a good thing. Well, he got the book and said, oh, you got me that because I'm stupid. And you want me, yeah. he took it, see, see how it turned yeah. around, took it yeah. completely different. I get a book for Christmas. Everybody else gets a toy. Now I love books. So for yeah. me, I thought that was a good thing, but him, he wanted a toy. He didn't want a book yeah. and he took it. But I think we all do that all the time. Yeah, yeah we do. I, I'm more mindful about that now because I noticed that people do give gifts that they would like yes, to receive. Exactly. So I pay attention now and I'm like, what are their likes? Let me get something they might like. Right, you know, right. Exactly. If I like it too, that's a, that's a plus. <laughs> but it is 
you know, we're, we're laughing because it is funny, but honestly, it is all these little things that contribute to whether we're at peace or war within ourselves. Yeah. The, the thoughts that we have being in somebody else's business, we can no longer blame anybody else for what's going on. We must take responsibility, full responsibility. I've had people argue, yeah, but you know, he, he's like that because that's about him. Come back to you. Right. Let's stay with what your part is because once you begin to change you in to be the way you want your life to be, everything else will fall into place and you will experience less and less and less suffering because nothing means anything until we attach to it. So L-A-M-P has no meaning until we say, oh, lamp right? They're just letters until we assign the meaning. I remember my husband is a psychologist. And I remember years ago, he said to me, when are you going to stop blaming your parents? And it was like ice water. And I thought he's absolutely right. I'm an adult. They have nothing to do with my life right now. It's all about me and my behavior. And that was one of the, well, actually, I'd already begun before that. But that was like icing on the cake with all the studying and evolving that I was doing within myself and the icing on the cake as well was when I really understood there's some kind of belief I have going on about myself that is causing these external events and I really went looking for them and then when I questioned them it was emotional it was like you mean I've been lovable all these years, you know, kind of thing. And I'm making light, but honestly, when whatever it is, I'm not tall enough, pretty enough, skinny enough, whatever it is right. going on. Right. And you find out it was never true. It's it's such a release inside. It's just magical what happens. And I, I talk about the young adults and teens today, and even adults with the social media platforms. When people are liking or disliking, let's, I can honestly say for myself, I probably don't know 75% of the people that are connected with me. Mm -hmm. And so if I looked at their post and I do a like, or or, I never do dislike, but if I do a like, it just means I like the post. I know nothing about you, so don't take it personally. (laughs) And yet that's what's happening is, oh, you know, they gave me a thumbs down. It's not you. It's the post. It's whatever you posted just didn't hit them the right way or it did hit them the right way. Right. And and so that has no impact on my self-esteem, my feeling of self-worth. It just doesn't anymore. Now, once upon a time, it would because all those underlying not enoughness beliefs were going on. You could I could say, oh, I see you have on, I think it's a red sweater. Mm-hmm. I see you have on a red sweater. It looks like it's got some sparklies on it. You said, I knew I should have worn that other one with the stripes on it. Da, 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 da. And when we do this, and all I said was, oh, I see you have the red sweater with sparklies on, right? right. Uh, oh, I see you got your hair done in a different way. <laughs> I knew that hairdresser. I should have told her. You know, we constantly, or the, the good old one, I love that sweater. Oh, thanks. I got it at Marks and Sparks or, you know, something like that. I didn't ask you where you got it from. I just said, you know, just learn to receive, especially for women, learn to receive and love it and everything else about it. And, and we don't, 
And why is that? We don't. Because we were trained not to. You're right. We have to retrain ourselves. And I've done a lot of that already, but I'm sure there's more to be done. We're always working on ourselves, trying to get better and improve. But someone who's still stuck in a bad relationship, there's no time like the present to fix it. Even if you're 70 or 80 years old, you've got time left. In fact, it's so funny because I did a podcast near the beginning. I can't remember which episode it was, but the woman was an alcoholic at age 79. She finally got rid of her alcoholism and her whole life changed at 79. So anytime you do it is better than never doing it, right? Better late than never. I agree. I want to backtrack in one thing because our words are very important. When I hear people say, or I see it written, oh, take this course and become the the best you ever, or we're we're good enough as we are. To me, something like that implies I'm not good enough. And that's reinforced in sports with awards and we are, if, if we didn't win, it doesn't mean I'm not good enough. It just means we didn't win. Stop attaching more meaning that just is non-existent outside of my mind. Right. Again, we're doing it to us kind of thing. You know, for people that have addictions, and that's what my husband specializes in, and we don't always see eye to eye, by the way. <laughs> and I, I respect him very much. He's been in the business a long time, and his patients love him. But I always... I know this to be true. They are looking for relief in all the wrong places. Absolutely. You know, it's that temporary, no matter what addiction it is, you're never going, it's never going to be satisfied. It's going to grow and grow and grow because it's, you know, that the wine is no longer doing it. The scotch maybe for a while, maybe now I need tequila or something else. Let's look at the underlying beliefs you've got going on and let's let them go and you won't need anything. You won't, you truly will not need anything after a while. Once you overcome the physical addiction, because you're dealing with the mind. Well, and a lot of it starts in trauma at a young age and they're drinking it away. They're trying to push it down. They don't want to face it, but you need to face it to release it and let go, or it's going to be there. So I think 90% of you know, anyone with alcoholism or drug abuse or anything has had something very traumatic happen to them as a young person. And very likely that's true. And it's easy to say, let it go. Because sometimes the the mind isn't ready to deal with it. Yeah. It's just so much. You know, I, I can vividly recall what my mind did at eight years old once I looked back on it. And, and because it was someone I trusted, I... I made it all about me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's my fault. I'm the one to blame. If I wasn't alive, it would have never happened and stuff because we just can't blame these people that we love so much. And it's such a shock. So I actually buried that memory until I was in my thirties. And then it just came up to be looked at. It's like, you know, going to the buffet, you're not going to eat everything in one sitting. Right. right? But when it's ready and that's also my experience, once you start looking at the beliefs in different situations, anytime you have a recurring thought that's over the years, like I had one from my uh, best friend in California when we were probably seven or eight and she wouldn't tell me what her costume was. Do you know that that stayed with me, her Halloween costume? Wow. It stayed with me into adulthood, you know, and it was like crazy. That is crazy. And when I when I look, we all have skeletons like that that just will replay and they're like ridiculous yeah. situations. Yeah. 
But the impact it had at the age that we were, it was, here's my best friend, and she won't tell me that what her costume's going to be, you know, for me, running on the victim. Oh, my, she doesn't love me. She's not really my friend. And that's what we do to ourselves, though, because we don't stop. That's like we said about the fear factor. Right, right. You don't stop and see, and certainly as a child, you don't see what you're doing, right? Right, right. And if we were all brought up in a household where, like my granddaughter's very fortunate, she is the most positive, uplifting, fun, take their time to explain everything to her. And she's only four. And I think, oh, I wish I had your mom and dad. You know? <laughs> and and my, my vision of her is she's just going to grow up to be a very well-balanced young lady secure in her own belief in herself and her mind. I love Wayne Dyer's children's books for that reason. It's all very positive self-image mm-hmm. and confidence building. And I wish every parent would get those for their right. young children. So important. Yep. It is. And if teachers, you know, if we could implement stuff like that in schools and, and teach these kids, no matter what your situation is at home, it's about your parents. Right. It's not you. You're not a bad kid. Yep, absolutely. So tell us, you founded the company Blueprint for Stress Release, LLC. So how can others find out more about that? How can they find out a little bit more about your programs if they're out there looking for help? Maybe they're listening and they're saying, oh my God, that's me. I need help. I can't do it on my own. I need help. Where do they go? Thank you for asking. As a result of my own life and and the education that took me to where I am, I truly have become an expert at helping others. And you can read the testimonials to that effect. Mm. You could go to the website, which is www.blueprintforstressrelease, and it's release, L-E-S-E, not relief. Remember when you're looking that up, people release because sometimes people can't find it. And you can contact me directly uh, through email info at blueprint for stress release. And you'll see on the website, it's an online self-paced course. And from the very, very first lesson has been designed so that it will bring up all of your underlying beliefs. And the first lesson, all of the lessons are powerful, but that tends to be the most emotional one. And it's the blessing is, though, it'll bring up all those underlying beliefs. And then as you go through the remainder of the course, there are very specific questions. You will apply certain situations and each one of those beliefs, too. This is something you will have for the rest of your life. And any time you get triggered, if you can stop yourself and say, what was just reflected back to me about me and find the belief that just happened then about yourself... That Number one, that'll stop you from being reactive to the other person. And two, you'll have the questions to put it to. You're going to have the tools to answer that right away and let go of that belief. And it's rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat until all those situations, all those beliefs, you no longer are triggered because you understand, number one, you're none of those old beliefs anymore. They don't exist for you. Two, you clearly understand what's going on with that person has nothing to do with you. And you are in such a place of peaceful thoughts, it almost becomes comical. And anytime you want to blame someone, you realize you can't anymore because it's all you. you know. So <laughs> that becomes funny too. Darn it, I can't blame them anymore. <laughs> Got to take responsibility. And I, 
it's, it's not an overnight thing. I will say that because it's our life. That's, you know, our life. We've carried this a long time. So it's just one day at a time, you know, get up, make your coffee, your glass of water, whatever you have and make it a breakfast habit. Just this will, this walks you through it. There's such concrete examples in there. My own personal, this is, I wrote my letter was to my mother. So, and it was a hateful letter because she was the person that hurt me the most. And that's what you're going to be doing, writing a letter to the person that hurt you the most. And a lot comes up in that letter. And you might still be surprised. You might think you've made peace with that. Yet when you're doing this, and especially when you read it out loud, you're like, I can't believe I still had that much anger. So more release coming out. And there's all your beliefs. And now you're going to work through them. And you're going to see how they've been showing up. And once you see how they've been showing up, that part of it stops too. Because you're, so I became a people pleaser, alcoholic mother, didn't want to get beaten, didn't want to get screamed and yelled at. It was a form of manipulation. That's what people pleasing is. How can I make you love me? How can I make you like me? Mm-hmm. Let me wash the dishes at four years old. Let me try and run a vacuum cleaner. Please, mommy, love me kind of thing. And that became a habit. Let me remember your great, great, great grandmother's birth date and death date and this and that. And, hey, you know, how's your grandmother's whatever, whatever. And the people are like, well, you remember that? That's what you do when you're a people pleaser. You re- you remember every little thing because it's so important because I want you to like me. Actually, most people thought I was weird because I re- remember facts that. like that. And I was like, oh, really? And then I had the audacity to get offended because they thought I was, you know, whatever. It, it's so funny to look back on it now. It it was painful at the time that it was happening. And that's what happens. So let's have the drink. Let's look at pornography. Let's overeat, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Another one line, I just want to share this quickly. I heard children in Europe were starving. And I heard it over, eat everything on your plate. There's children starving somewhere. We heard China. China? Our family okay. was the children in China are starving. Yep. <laughs> okay. So you'll be able to, after this, you'll be able to look and see where that shortage consciousness showed up. After I realized the beliefs behind that, I had a three-bathroom home at the time, and I was the only one that lived it. It was stock, toilet paper, toothpaste, this, the pantry, the freezer, and it was just me. And the, some of the stuff in the pantry would be expired, but I was so afraid of running out of stuff right. that... Right. That even in the back of my mind, there's shortage. I don't want to ever be short. Right. That I was constantly Sam's Club stocking up, you know, and it it shows up somewhere. And the money, money has become such a focal point because everything was around not enough, not enoughness. And it might not have even been about money. It might have feeling I wasn't loved enough. And it somehow translates into money. And I found somewhere along the line, I won't say money became unimportant. It was no longer a fear factor in my life because I understand, you know, we think, okay, if we run out of money, then what? I won't have a home. I won't have a place to live. I won't have a car to drive. I won't have food to eat. I'll be out on the streets. And then what? Nobody will love me. And then what? I'll be all by myself. Well, first of all, I'm all I've ever got, really. I'm, I always have me. But none of that's true. Someone's going to feed you. Someone's going to take you in. Someone's going to give you transportation. But we scare ourselves to death with unquestioned thoughts. 
And none of it's true. If I run out of money, so what? I run out and make more. You know, right. it's, it's not easy, right? right? Nothing to be worried about other than our own minds. So it's true. Hopefully, there were some tidbits in there that people can apply into their lives and find out more at blueprintforstressrelease.com or contact me directly. That's great. That's great. And for those of you listening today that are out walking or exercising and don't have pen and paper, you can go to my website, kickassboomers.com, click on Sharon's picture and all the show notes will pop up. So you'll have all of her contact information. So you don't have to worry about writing it down right now if you can't. So I just wanted to remind my listeners about that as well. Well, thank you, Sharon, for being my guest today. You, your information, I think, was very helpful. There's probably many of us, even if we work through some issues, there's other issues left to work through. So it can benefit all of us. And there's no better time than the present to change our lives. Agreed. Unless you want to stay stuck in suffering and fear. No, that's no fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. Yep, yep. So thank and you. It's not- you're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you very much for having me as a guest. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Enjoyed it. I loved it. And I'm sure my audience is loving you too. Thank you very much. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.